0: Um, This morning, we're starting a brand new series called 21 Days of Prayer. And If you've been following along the past six days since last Monday, uh, we've been kind of doing these daily prayer uh, pieces on Facebook Lives uh, that we've been doing together, especially we've also been doing posts on Instagram and Facebook, just trying to keep um, uh, or provide opportunities for you guys to jump into this stuff during the week. And this has kind of become a little bit of a tradition at Journey of doing a 21 Days of Prayer series uh, because we believe prayer is important in the life of any believer and so we try to take a different angle every year, um, but the 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 core, the heart of the series, I think, stays consistent, and that is uh, the importance of prayer in the life of a believer. And for me, I mean, again, I'm a pastor at a church, and and so I think people sometimes think that folks who work at churches have like spiritual superpowers, <laughs> you know, like we do everything perfect, everything's right, and and. I, I'm, that's just not my story. I mean, uh, prayer, uh, I'm, I, I enjoy communicating. So like praying, I've never had a problem praying in public, but when it comes to like a personal prayer life, that's always been a struggle for me. Um, because I think it's hard for me to get quiet, to process, to think through, you know, what God is, is calling, uh, to have me pray for, or even just the, the conversation I'm having ongoing with God, you know, because prayer is, you know, petitioning and, and, and having that conversation with God, but it's also, you know, trying to, to feel out and, and understand God more and more just through spending time with him. And so, um, I hope you hear over the next few weeks as we walk through this, not as some, uh, uh, I hope you don't see some unrealistic expectations set for you. I hope you don't feel this pressure to like have everything perfect or right. You know, as soon as you start maybe trying to incorporate prayer into your life, like it's prayer can be hard you know, it's, they they call it a practice for a reason. You know, we have to put time into it, uh, to grow in that part of our spiritual lives. And so just for me personally, it's, it's not easy. It's not always easy. It's just something we kind of grow into and shape and mine's changed over the years. And, um, I've gotten more comfortable with it being a part of my life. And there are seasons where it's, it's more regular seasons where it's less regular. Um, and I think that's normal in the life of a believer. Um, I just think it's important for us to realize those things and to make changes as we need to. So, Um, as we talk about prayer, I want to ask you a question. How does it feel when you know someone's been praying for you? How does it feel when you know someone's been praying for you? Like whether it's something you're walking through in life or someone like maybe a friend's just like, Hey man, I've just had you on my mind this week and I've been praying for you. How does that feel for you? For me, it's not encouraging is not the right word, but it's, it's getting there. It's encouraging, but it's also, um, heartwarming like it makes you feel seen it makes you feel known which is pretty great um but i think that's part of the power of prayer is Prayer is something we can use, and not only in our life, but in the life of the community we exist in, to bear one another's burdens, to kind of walk alongside one another. We can use it to help celebrate in moments of, of like, that we're excited, like, God, seeing God fulfill a promise or seeing God fulfill something he's been calling an individual or a family to over time. That can be really exciting, something we can celebrate together. But a lot of times, we just kind of stop At that part of prayer, like where prayer is asking God for things or, or thanking God for things. And that's good. Like, I don't want to create an illusion that those are bad or inferior or that's all prayer. That's just a part of what prayer is. I mean, even think about like at a funeral, you have pallbearers, like people who help to carry, literally carry someone in and out of the service or to the graveside. And it's literally sharing or carrying a burden. That's the picture I have in my mind. It might be a little morbid, honestly, but um, of just literally sharing burdens with one another. And that's important, but it's, we, we stop there that's what prayer is about. And while, yeah, it is, there's so much more that I feel like we lose because we, we Keep the focus within the context of prayer on us, like our experience with prayer. What I think about when I pray, what do I need to pray for? You know, I mean, I've got I've several young kids and when we pray at night, their animal brain, they're just like the lizard brain part of them, goes to those things where we're like, hey, what, what should we be praying for? Like they like to pray for their friends, the people around them. Um, and they naturally pray for things that they, they are, you know, have their minds on or are worried about. And it's interesting that I think we don't grow out of that. Like that continues to stay just a part of who we are. And I feel like God, especially in the context of a series like this, God is calling us to more when it comes to how we understand and view prayer. And so the first thing I want to bring out is I don't think prayer is about us. Prayer isn't about us. In fact, it it might start there. It might start with us petitioning God, asking God for things, you know, seeking comfort, you know, having that basic kind of communication with God. But ultimately prayer is not about us. Prayer ultimately is about our understanding of and relationship with God. Prayer is about our understanding of and our relationship with God. It's an, it's an interaction at, at, at its core. Right, and that's part of why we pray. The reason we pray is to have an interaction with God. There's a reason why uh, uh, God exists in community. The Trinity, the the three persons of God, the the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He exists in community, and there's a a desire for us to enter into that community. And prayer is one of the main conduits, one of the main avenues, main highways that we access that community. That we access that uh, uh, that that community with with the three of them. Um and it's an interaction. Prayer is an interaction. I've been reading a book, and by reading I mean I, I do a lot of audiobooks. And this is an audiobook that I've had on just kind of like in the background of my life for the last year or so. And it's by Tim Keller, who's a pastor up in New York. And it's a book on prayer. it has like a longer subtitle and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but it's essentially on prayer. And it's it's the way he talks about prayer has completely changed the way that I had a very small understanding and vision of prayer. You know, this this very myopic, this very, you know, closed off. I mean, like, yes, I would pray for others, but it was very transactional. Not transactional. Well, to a sense, maybe. Um, but I I didn't consider the wider understanding. I think, and I'm going to read a couple today as we gather today. I wanted to bring a couple insights that Pastor Tim had in this book. And this is one of them when it comes to the idea of prayer as an interaction. He says this in his book. He says, prayer is both conversation and encounter with God. And we must know the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, the struggle of asking his help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of his presence. So yeah, these, these personal things, you know, like you said, the intimacy of finding God's grace, the struggle of asking for his help in times of need, like all these things don't need to go away. They're not lesser than they're a part of that interaction, but the point of it isn't to satiate the need for comfort in our lives. It isn't even to give us, you know, this feeling of, Oh, I feel better. That's a byproduct. but the ultimate point of it is to lead us to know the spiritual reality of God's presence in our life. To say it another way, I believe that the more that we are, are cultivating and growing our prayer life, the more we're going to acknowledge and see God's existence and experience in our lives. In fact, put it like this, when we pray, I be, especially if you're developing a prayer life that's a regular one, prayer aligns our hearts with God's will and with his own heart. The more that we pray, the more we align ourselves with who God is, what he calls us to do in our lives, and also what he cares about. Like you start seeing things more and more clearly because you're just simply spending more time with God. Think of it like this. If you have a spouse or a loved one, how does it feel when you're just out of sync with them? You know, you ever just had a time or a season where maybe things are busy or new things come along or I don't know, it could be a million different things, but you're just out of sync with your spouse or with your loved one. And it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard thing to deal with because if that's out of sync, it makes other things out of sync. It affects the rest of your life. And and what I believe, I believe that prayer takes that out of syncness when it comes to God and brings it back into alignment so that we're following God's will. So we're following God's heart. We're more closely understanding what God's calling us to do. And I also believe that prayer should be shaped by scripture. Like as we look into God's word. It, it, the scripture should shape how we pray in fact pastor tim says this again he says our prayer should arise out of immersion in the scripture we speak only to the g- degree that we are spoken to i love that we are we we speak only to the degree that we are spoken to if we're not having that interaction that back and forth that give and take that that conversation with god through prayer on a regular basis we're not being filled up so that we might speak life into the world and if we look into scripture scripture is going to give us those words whether it's by prescription we'll take a look at one just a minute uh, of a prescriptive play, prayer maybe it's taking the words of prayers we see all throughout the bible old testament new testament all over maybe it's taking those words and making them our own because sometimes it's hard to to know what to say in a moment and i believe god provides scripture one of the reasons he provides scripture is to give us words when we don't have them Right? So uh, the prayer has got to be shaped by the scripture that we read. And I believe that prayer resets and recenters our focus on Jesus. It's very hard if, you, if you're cultivating a prayer life. It's very, very hard to focus on the things that are small and, and not important in your life. The more we're cultivating a prayer life, the more it's going to reset and focus our lives, center our lives, our focus... On Jesus, because the more time we spend with Him, the more we're able to grow in our faith. The more we're able to grow in our understanding of who God is and our relationship with Him. A lot of times, when we're distracted, our focus can be all over the place. It can jump from one thing to the next to the next, really just whatever's the loudest and most busy thing at that time. You know, in this situation, uh, or, or when it comes to building our prayer lives. I believe that prayer is going to reset that focus. It's going to center that focus on Jesus. And we see a lot of times we'll say we're praying in Jesus' name, you know. You'll see that throughout the scripture and we, we kind of do it as a practice as, as followers of Jesus. And I thought this was another really great quote from Pastor Tim. He said, to pray in Jesus' name is essential to regroup our relationship with God in the saving work of Jesus over and over again. It also means to recognize your status as a child of God, regardless of your inner state. So I think there's two big pieces there. First, praying in Jesus' name, focusing on Jesus as a result of our increased prayer life, is helping to remind us and center us on the saving work of Jesus Christ over and over again. While salvation might be a moment, might be a, 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 a realization, a change, a shift in your life, that salvation might be the sanctification, the more we become more and more like Jesus is something that happens day after day after day. And I don't think we can ever tire, we can ever retire the idea of what God and what Jesus has done for us on the cross, his saving work and grounding our prayer life in that reality. The second part here that he talks about is it means to recognize your status as a child of God, regardless of your inner state. I don't know about you, but for me, when it comes to prayer, if I'm not feeling it, or if I'm not feeling like praying, or I'm not what there's a feeling aspect to it, there's an emotion aspect to it, then I don't really feel like praying, you know. And what God or what <laughs> what Pastor Tim's saying here is that it's recognizing our status as a child of God because we've received His grace, and because of that, we have access to the Father through Jesus Christ, and that prayer, that access through prayer through intercession. It, it doesn't depend on our inner state. It doesn't depend on how we're feeling. It doesn't depend on what you've done. It doesn't even depend on who you are. That's grace. That we have access, that we have uh, 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 the ability to communicate, to interact with God, regardless of our inner state, how we're feeling, how we're thinking, even who we are. That's grace. So I want to shift the conversation a little bit to Jesus in and, and prayer. You know, like how... How do we connect the two? And and the, the truth is that the reason we know prayer is important for the life of a believer is because of how seriously Jesus took it. Like, Jesus was very, very serious about Scripture. If you look through the Bible and the accounts of his life, prayer is all throughout, and probably one of the most uh, important or, you know, uh, one of the biggest things we see is we see Jesus teaching his disciples actually how to pray. And so this is in Matthew, this is chapter 6, verse starting in verse 5. Um, and you'll recognize part of this when we get to it. But in verse 5, he starts by saying, this is Jesus speaking, and talking to his disciples. So he's talking to these guys who he cares deeply about. He's trying to help grow in their faith and to, to be prepared to continue his, his work on, on earth. And so he's talking to them. And he says, when you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. I I love when Jesus gets like this. This is like the, the testy side of Jesus of like just giving straight truth for how it is. He's telling his folks, it's not about praying in front of people. Like you might have known that guy who like loved to be the person who prayed at, at meals or whatever growing up because like it made them look a certain way or made them feel a certain way, God, Jesus is like that's not the point. Like if that if you're making that the point of prayer, that's the only reward you're going to get because prayer is not about that. He goes on to say in verse six, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything. Will reward you. The point here that he's trying to make, I think, is less about like you need to just put yourself in a closet and make it happen. I think what Jesus is trying to to tell us is that it's not about other people. Prayer isn't about your connection or your displaying it to other people. That, That you can use that as a way to minister to others and that kind of stuff. But when it comes to your life in prayer, your interaction with God through prayer, it's not about what other people see. It's about your connection with Him. It's about getting away. It's about getting quiet. It's about having that time with just you and the Lord growing in your interaction through prayer. He continues in chapter in verse 7 saying, When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly, exactly what you need before you even ask him. What incredible truth that is, that no matter what we feel like we need to bring to God, he already knows that need. He already knows that desire. He, in fact, he created that in us. He created us to have that need, that desire, those things he's planted deep in our hearts. And he already knows that. We don't have to just try and have this incantation, this magical series of words to make something come true. That's not how God works. However, Jesus does believe in some kind of prescription for prayer, you know, for helping to to give. Because I could see at this point his disciples being like, okay, so don't do that. But what, like, what should we we be doing? And Jesus continues on in verse 9 and says, he says, he says, pray like this. And this is the part that might feel familiar to you, whether it's the same exact vernacular, the words that you learned or not. But this is the heart of it. Our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And I think there's a temptation with the the Lord's Prayer, as you might know it. um, There's a temptation here to make this like the only prayer i say you know in some traditions it is it's like the primary prayer that we pray corporately especially as like a gathered people and i think there's value in that i think there's value in in um you know a liturgical prayer like this that we can all do together but honestly i i think it's more about the intention behind the pieces that he includes within this Prayer and this—I mean—you could do a entire like six-week series just on this passage, of digging through each of those. But like, um, may our Father in heaven, may Your name be kept holy. Just initiating from the beginning that we separate ourselves from God, that God is separate; He's apart. That's what holy means—to set apart. Um, may Your kingdom come soon. Give us a kingdom mindset. It's not just that something uh, small would happen, but that God's kingdom would actually be established here on earth. Um, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, just submitting our will to his. And I love this part, the give us today are the food we need. It's just a brief moment to, to ground us in the reality of the now. Because I think sometimes, especially if you're praying, you might get lost in the, in the bigness of some things, especially like depending on what you're praying on and praying through. But sometimes I think it's it's important to just be thankful for what we've been given today. And have gratitude for what we have in the now. And then he transitions to talking about forgiveness for our own sins. But he pivots, not just to forgive us for our sins. He said, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. It's not transactional, meaning you do this and you will be forgiven. It's saying, as we've been forgiven, already done. We are also at the same time simultaneously forgiving those who sinned against us. It's not a request. It's an assumption. And so that forgiveness we receive must be also poured out onto others. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. The fact that we can't do everything we need to do in our own power, but through and by Jesus and in his name do we live. But continue just seeing how Jesus interacted with prayer Throughout the rest of the New Testament and just in his life, I mean, Jesus healed people through prayer. Jesus cast out demons with prayer. He experienced God through prayer, like his time on the mountain where he had the transfiguration, where he literally transformed and had this encounter with God um, through prayer. Like prayer was the the chief uh, a part of that. He modeled it throughout his life, even all the way to his death. When he was found, when he died, he died in prayer. When he was captured, he was captured in prayer. They went to the garden to pray. Prayer was something he modeled throughout his entire life. Praying mattered to Jesus, not because he knew it was like a good thing to do or it was a healthy practice or like drinking the protein shake or the smoothie every morning. It's a good thing to get in the rhythm of. No. J- a prayer mattered to Jesus because he knew God. Jesus has, had and has a relationship with God that we'll never understand. But he has such a a specific connection and such a deep and intimate connection with him that he understood that prayer was one of the main ways to receive that, that intimacy, to receive that connection, that interaction with God. Prayer mattered to Jesus because he knew God, and he knew what happened when you connected regularly with him through prayer. And I think that's the point he's really trying to get across to us in his life and in his examples. We get alone, we get away, we get time, and we build a prayer life so that we might know God more. Now, this morning... Um, we're we're or each week we're trying to talk a little bit about giving some practical hooks for us for how we can, can we develop a prayer life, right? And we're talking kind of this morning, we're focusing on praying for the local church. Okay, praying for the local church. That means journey church, that means any of the churches in our community, that means any churches around the world, the local church. How do I pray for my local church? And I think one of the best ways to learn how we do that is by taking a look at the example of Paul. Okay, Paul, um was one of the apostles. He can't. He's kind of like second generation disciple type folks. He, you know, the, they're the twelve that came first, who followed Jesus personally. Then Paul was a Pharisee. He was the ones who was who were like coming down on the disciples, trying to, to squash the movement. He had an experience with God, completely changed his life, and then became one of the probably well most well known missionaries and uh, uh spreaders of the gospel in that time, um, and he cared. Deeply about the local church. I mean, my man. Like, if you look at the Bible, if you look at the New Testament, you'll see, you know, the book, the Gospels, who are, who are written from a perspective about Jesus's life, the Acts of the Apostles, which we've been going through in these prayer pieces, uh, kind of looking at the the early church. But if you look at the other books, a lot of the other books, they're actually letters to local churches. You know, it's like Paul wrote Journey Church a letter helping to address the things they're walking through, whether it's in Thessalonica um, or whether it's uh, Colossae or whether it's um, Ephesus or whether it's in Rome. Like all these different churches were not just a cool name for a letter. (laughs) They were actual people in an actual local church having actual real-world problems. And so Paul would pray for these people in the context of these letters he sent to them. And in fact, Pastor Tim had an interesting observation about the way that Paul prayed. Because we're going to look at a couple in just a second, but an interesting point about how Paul prayed for these churches is he didn't pray for more money. He didn't pray for a better building. He didn't pray for a successful kids' ministry. He didn't pray for these things to happen. In fact, what Pastor Tim says is, is Paul does not see prayer as merely a way to get things from God. God, would you give us this? God, And it's not, a, now hear me real quick, it's not wrong to pray that way. It's not pray, It's not wrong to ask boldly. I mean, we see in other places, places in Scripture, God calls us to pray boldly and to ask confidently uh, because we are his children and, and, and he wants to, to hear our desire. Like that is part of how we pray. But Paul does not see it as just a way to get things from God, but as a way to get more of God himself. It's Prayer is not just about getting things from God, but as a way of getting more of God himself. And we'll look at a couple of these examples of prayer, and that's what we're going to see. In fact, Paul doesn't pray for changed circumstances or going through something hard. He's not praying that something would, would happen better for them. I mean, sure, he's he's hoping that for them. But in the prayers he's praying for and over these people, he's praying for God to be glorified even in the midst of the stuff they're going through. Because it's not about getting things from God necessarily. It's about getting more of God himself. And Paul knew, because it happened to him personally, if these people would get more of God for themselves, if they would have more of a personal interaction with him, if they would have more of a personal experience with God himself, everything would change. Everything would change. And so let's take a look at some examples. So this is the church in Thessalonica. This is in Second Thessalonians, starting in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 11. Paul prays this, or he says this, So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Remember the end of the, uh, the the Lord's Prayer where it, where it said, uh, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. This is reinforcing that idea. It's not about our power. It's not about what we can do. And Paul acknowledges that. He says, may he give you his power, the power of Christ himself, to accomplish all that he's calling you to do, all that he prompts you to do with your faith. That's one prayer for a local church. It's about let ask God to enable you, to empower you. Let's take a look at Colossians. This is uh, verse, or chapter 1, verse 9. And again, he says, so we have not stopped praying for you. You see a theme here? We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. And we ask God to give you a complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's not about asking for changes to happen in their lives. It's asking for more of God for them to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. He continues in verse 10 and says, then when that happens, as we're working towards as God is working in that, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, All the while with all this. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. It's not about changed circumstances. He's not praying for these churches to see differences in what they're experiencing day to day. He's praying for them to grow in the knowledge of God. And that will take care of the rest. Finally, in Ephesians, this is chapter 1, verse 16. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. It's not about getting things from God. It's about getting more of God himself. That's how we should be praying for our local churches. Yes, we pray for capital campaigns. Yes, we pray for uh, uh, people to be moved and for lives to be changed. Yes, we pray for all those things. But ultimately, we pray for God himself to become known more and more to each individual person who's a part of that church. That is how we pray for the local church. So how do you do it personally? I want to break it down and make it real simple for you to give you some real tactical things you can take away and even start praying this week for your local church. Because I think it's very important for that to be part of our prayer life. There's two simple things I want to encourage you uh, to pray for. I want you to pray for the people of the church, and I want you to pray for the work of the church. The people of the church and the work of the church. Now when I say people of the church, I'm talking about first the congregation, us, the people of the church. Pray that we might know God more and more. Pray that we might have opportunity to share our faith. Pray that we would have the ability to learn and just the margin we build into our lives to grow in our faith. Pray for our congregation that we might become more and more like Jesus. Two, we might want to pray for newcomers, folks who are coming to the church who are new, whether they're new to church in general. Maybe you're watching this and you're one of those people, or maybe you're new to this church. Um, In my opinion, the, the idea here... Is we want to pray for them to feel like this is a place where they can come and know god where they can be humbly pointed to absolute hope no matter what's happening in their lives that this place can be a refuge of hope for them and finally when it comes to the people you want to pray for our leadership like i don't think there's any more kind thing you can do than pray for your lead pastor and i don't say that just because he's my boss but i love the guy like i say it like this you're, you're fortunate if you get a guy who when you're working at a church a guy who's a good leader, a guy who's a good boss and a guy who's a good friend. And I've got it in spades in all three in Matt Dawson. And so be praying for your your lead pastor. You might know not not, not know exactly what he's walking through. But there's burdens and, and things that he's walking through that you'll never know. That just people, It's life. And I think especially so for leaders of a church, all the pastors and directors and staff and leaders at our church, all of them be praying for God to give them the grace and wisdom they need to be able to lead well so we might become a more and more welcoming and effective place for the gospel of Jesus to be known. So pray for the people of the church. And then also pray for the work of the church that comes to our mission, like how, uh, wh- what we do as a church, to so humbly point everyone to absolute hope, that that would become more and more known. And ultimately it's all about Jesus. Pray for the mission of the church. Pray for the ministry of the church. That's actually the, what we're doing, like the different pieces, whether it's uh, the work we're doing with children or whether it's with students on Sunday mornings, whether it's the outreaches we're involved with the, or the mission partners across the world. Like pray for the ministry of the church to be thriving, for Jesus to be known. Uh, through those efforts and then pray for the community, not just the community internally. Like we want to pray for a, a thriving community of believers so that we might go out and share what we've been given first, um, but also just the community we we exist in pray for the community. We exist in the Lake Norman area and, and for ways we can humbly point everyone to absolute church in those venues. So pray for the people, the congregation, the congregation, newcomers in leadership, pray for the work of the church, for our mission, pray for our ministry, pray for our community. And I want to I start to close with this. Paul gives some really clear direction when it comes to prayer. In First Thessalonians 5, he says this, is verse 16. And this is another reason why I think it's a worthy endeavor to build a prayer life. He says, always be joyful and never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. We pray because it's an interaction with God. And we pray because our prayers can have a real effect in the world today as we petition God on others' behalf by intercessing for them. Maybe on our own behalf, just the things that happen in our own life. But it's a, it's a call. It's, it's not a moment. It's a, it's a thing we do I, again. The the idea of a practice of prayer, I think is healthy. It's something we do over and over and over again. So we might grow in that. And in fact, I really wanted to close today with this prayer. Um, and this is a prayer that Paul has in Ephesians three um, over that local church. But imagine if this is the heart and the prayer that we had over our church and our local churches in the area um, and this is the kind of heart we can receive uh, uh, as those who are part of those local churches. So I just want I want to invite you just to close your eyes just to open your hands and to really receive this prayer as an encouragement as just a way to to dial into the history and the and the the rich heritage of prayer that came from Paul and maybe we can take this encouragement and use it in our own lives today. so, Would you pray together? This is starting in verse 14 from Ephesians 3. Paul says, My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. And I ask him to strengthen you by his Spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in all followers of Jesus, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its lengths, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, and live full lives full in the fullness of God. God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, Jesus. Glory to God down all the generations, glorious through all millennia. God, we are grateful for the local church that that's the expression you've chose to, to live out through um, here on earth. God, would you help us and, re, and remind us and prompt us to build that prayer life, to, to, to have that intimacy, that that closeness with you. God, would you align our hearts with yours through prayer? God, and would you, as, as we take this time just to focus on the local churches, would you bless every single congregation that's, that's preaching the gospel in Jesus' name? God, would you bless what they're doing? Would you give them the ability to continue on, even in the midst of hard times? Would you continue to give them the the ability to know you more and more? Would you reveal your spirit to them more and more, including our church, God? God, would you make us all more and more like you, that we might have a more full understanding of who you are, that we might know your will better, that we might understand your character, God, in your heart for us? So God, we love you and we thank you for all these things. Help us to grow in our prayer and in our lives. In your name we pray, amen.